everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. This episode, somehow, I'm already out of breath before I started. That's what happens when you get older. That's what I'm noticing. You know, like, these past few months have really reminded me uh, harshly about the realities of um, just getting older. Um, well, let me finish the intro before I wander off. So today's episode, as you can kind of already tell by the... Uh, a lack of uh, an intro being properly executed. Um, just gonna do a little random ramble. This is still, as of recording this episode, my favorite type of uh, you know episode to record. I think it's fun to kind of just allow my um, my brain to wander off uh, to wherever. Obviously, if you've joined along for rambles, you know that. Typically, I start on one topic, and then I kind of just, you know, work my way around random things. And sometimes I end up, you know, landing, you know, something I'm there for 25 minutes or 30 minutes. But um, something tells me today won't be one of those. So, anyway, I mean, I'm already on the topic of aging. And, um, you know, the other day, I woke up from a nap. First and foremost, when I was younger, and I, I don't want to give you the impression that I'm, you know, a geriatric, you know, I'm not 50 plus or 60 plus or anything. Nothing, that, you know, not that there's anything wrong with being, you know, that age. I'm just saying I'm, I'm um, not, not there yet. But um, that was sort of one of the first clues as to, okay, I really am starting to get older. Like, when my Saturday afternoon is, like, ideally no longer reserved for group activities, but really just to rest and relax and, like, record this podcast, that was a good sign. And um, I've been getting into napping recently, which for me is shocking, you know, in my younger days, like. The idea of a nap was just, like, I could go to bed at four in the morning and uh, wake up at, I mean, I'm not going to tell you I woke up at six, it's not true. I mean, heck, when I was younger, I used to, when I was like 12 years old, one summer, I got into the worst sleep routine imaginable. I was um, going to bed around... No kidding, like, an early night for me was, like, 3 in the morning. I mean, that was, like, a reasonable time for me to finally, you know, decide to turn off the lights and go to sleep. Um, but sometimes it was, like, 4 a.m., 5. I mean, it wasn't unfathomable. I mean, there were times where, you know, it was 7, and I don't know why. I was just still awake, and then I would go to sleep, and then for a little chunk of time there, it was almost like, how late could I sleep in 
and I think my record was, I woke up like at 2.30. And I look back at that and I wonder why. I'm grateful that, you know, my my parents and my grandparents kind of allowed me to, uh, you know, <laughs> hang out a little bit that one summer. Because, you, you know, usually during my summers I was active doing something, you know, I was baseball camps or when I was really little I remember doing a zoo camp which heading into it I really was not excited about at all but I actually had a dream not too long ago that I don't remember I'm not sure if I was necessarily in the camp again but it was something sort of reminiscent of the camp and so like I remember in that camp I was with, um, like I knew a couple of kids there. So I think that's what made it more fun. You know, my, my parents, before they would put me in a camp, you know, they would never tell me. <laughs> so it's like school would be over. And then sometime, usually, promptly after, you know, a couple days, few days, week, whatever. They would just kind of wake me up at 7 in the morning or whatever time I had to be up. And they would, you know, just tell me, hey, you got to go to summer camp. And again, usually it was sports related and, um, you know, baseball. Oops, sorry, I think I just hit the mic. Yeah, it was usually uh, baseball when I was very young, so different variations and then um, I want to say I was I don't know um, could I have been six seven years old maybe eight the oldest when I did the uh, the zoo camp and that was one of those camps that again can just get randomly woken up and uh, it's like, hey, put on these clothes. You're going to camp. And, uh, you know, I didn't know that any of their kids were going to be uh, present that I knew. But I remember it being, like, a great time. I remember, you know, as, as, as most kids do, you know, it's like they do something fun. And then I kind of convinced myself for a brief moment uh, in time when I was seven or eight or whatever. That I was going to do something related to, you know, animals. You know, it's like, oh, now I kind of want to work at a zoo. I love animals. And uh, it's not that I dislike animals. On the contrary, you know, I do love animals. But, you know, I quite literally never expressed an interest in uh, going to another one of those camps. I never volunteered for anything animal related but at the very least I will always have that you know really fun and positive memory of uh, attending that camp and I remember one day I gotta fix the, the electrical here in the, uh, in the uh, good old recording studio like keeps flickering on but yeah, I think the most memorable part about that particular 
summer camp was they brought out this you know massive boa constrictor and uh you know we're kids so it's impossible for us individually <laughs> to hold it so i kind of remember you know we had camp camp counselors on either side and then you know we would take a picture with like you know eight of us kind of like holding holding up the uh snake so that was cool i remember my mother being mortified absolutely mortified by the idea that we did that because i think she saw the picture after it's kind of like we made little postcards for our parents and uh i think i don't remember now seven or eight so cut, cut me a little bit of slack here if you please could <laughs> so yeah she was she was mortified one way or another either i told her or again there was a um postcard or whatever that we made and um you know i remember vividly the experience of holding it up and then my mother being very pissed off i'm trying to think what else i did that camp for some reason i remember almost perfectly like the layout of the room you know we would kind of get dropped off and then they had like maybe seven to ten you know circular tables you know i think it was like four or five kids per per table um i think they let you kind of pick your own seating so you know how it is by the end of the first or second day you already have kind of like your your group of people and it's interesting how i can kind of remember the room and i can remember the bow constrictor um, photo op but I don't remember really much else about the camp just that it was again a really good time and then I remember you know so it must have been like the timeline here must have been that I did that when I was like six or seven because I started getting into sports at like eight nine right around there and again the first sport definitely was baseball very heavy into it didn't play anything else until I was probably like 11 or so so after that summer of you know claiming I was going to uh, you know work with animals for the rest of my life I very promptly forgot about that uh, career path and just started focusing on sports I just I did a bunch of different ones you know baseball camps like by the time I was eight or nine like my dad didn't let me really have time off otherwise which in retrospect is good I mean like school is tough you know but you know I don't think there's any reason like if if you can if you have an interest in something you know I think it's good you know if you can afford it obviously I think it is good to uh, you know have them doing something productive in the summers and in this case you know i got decent at baseball and team sports so you kind of built that and then you build you know like a sense of confidence and something that you know you're spending a lot of time working on um, i think the most memorable clearly the theme here for this 
episode is uh, summer camps, which I have at this point no clue how I sort of started on this topic, but here we are. Originally, I was starting to ramble about uh, getting older and <laughs> age, and you know, perhaps another symptom of getting older is you know my my <laughs> memory retention just continues to get worse and worse at this point, I guess. So, I, again, have no clue how we got on this. But definitely one of the most memorable baseball summer camps. Um, forget the name of it. But I remember one of the coaches very vividly. And I don't know why. I think... I think I remember him because... I think he played professionally and he claimed that he had played with George Brett or something and that kind of always really stuck out to me this notion that I was being coached by someone that I had assumed was you know playing professional baseball and I'm sure he did but you know for all I know he played with George Brett like in high school or in college or it could have been like a, an adult league, you know. So that coach always stuck out to me, being like, "Wow, this guy's a, this guy's a legend." And again, you know, it's not to say he was a bad ball player; he was probably good. But it also really sticks out to me how, you know, the uh, camp coaches. It was basically a mix of high school and college players that were you know, volunteering. But when you're eight or nine or ten years old, you know, they seem like real adults. And now I think about it, it's like those were kids. Like those were kids teaching kids. And of course a high school baseball player, especially a very prolific one and you know, a college player is a different story. But you know, that's a level that of course they can teach eight, nine 10, 11 year old, you know, young baseball players, but same thing, you know, those were, like, they were adults to me. It's amazing how perspective is reality, you know, or your perception is reality. You know, because now you see them, it's like, oh, they're just high school kids teaching even smaller kids. But yeah, eight, it's like, well, this guy's a, this guy's a legend. This guy's batting 385. You know, the high school here. It was like a level of, you know, competence. It's like, as a kid, you can't fathom. It's like, whoa, this guy's playing college baseball. And obviously, it's a great feat. You know, the, the point of this segment of my useless ramble is not... It's obviously not to suggest that, you know, playing college baseball is not an incredible feat. It obviously is. It's just to say how, you know, as a kid, again, it's like, everything gets amplified to the nth degree. You know, it's like, like, whoa, this guy plays community college baseball. This guy must be, like, he's going to be a professional baseball player pretty soon. And obviously it's just not, you know, it's just obviously not the, the, the likely, the likely scenario. Another baseball camp I remember very vividly was a pitching camp. You know, my dad always, because I'm lefty, my dad always wanted me to get into pitching. 
And there's something that only as an adult now do I sort of reflect on and say I would have never been able to have been a competent pitcher. And that is in the flow of the game. So, okay, how do I describe this? I think for for me, my, you know, the, the type of athlete I think I was, I was at my best when I was being more reactive. And which is, that's why being a position player where I'm fielding and I'm hitting, obviously pitchers at youth levels also hit. But as I get older, you know, and now it's probably... It's probably more common that youth, like middle school, high school, uh, pitchers are no longer hitting. But, um, you know, fielding a ball is very different. You know, when I'm when I'm reacting to a ground ball and I have to either, you know, cover first base, which was my primary position, or field it, or it gets into the outfield and now I have to be the cutoff man so I can you know, relay the, the throw to home or third base or, you know, wherever, wherever the uh, ball is. Um, and then hitting, right? Hitting is just you're, you're being, you're reacting to what the pitcher is throwing you. I think in those scenarios, I felt very comfortable and I felt very competent. But the problem I had with pitching was I would get too into my own head um, like I remember, you know, I was throwing very hard for my age group, um, the first couple of years I played. So, you know, for that, for that time when you're eight, nine, ten years old, it's a massive advantage. Like if you can throw, like I was throwing 10 to 15 miles per hour faster than most kids, you know, like, like at that time it was probably typical in our age group for most pitchers. And, you know, you had exceptions that were, you know, they're probably playing professionally today or did, you know, but that eight, nine year old range, you know, the kids are throwing anywhere between 30 to 40 miles an hour, 44, 45, you know, but by the time I was eight or nine, I was already throwing probably 50, 55, 58, somewhere in that range. So, you know, I was just able to generate a lot more speed behind my pitches. And so I didn't really have to think much because, you know, I had that huge advantage. And so basically what would happen was the first year, well, the first year and a half, maybe two years, as a pitcher, since I was throwing so fast, most kids were kind of swinging without realizing what they were seeing. Once you hit, once you hit like 11, 12 years old, 13, it's game over. Like once you're a teenager, this completely changes. But for me, once I got to like 11 or 12, number one, other kids were starting to catch up and they were throwing, in some cases, close to my speed. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't crazy to go to a baseball tournament and uh, face a pitcher that was throwing 55, 65, you know, I think the, 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 I remember facing one team, which we beat them, so, at the end, no harm, 
no foul. But, um, you know, we, we played a team twice that their two best starting pitchers, you know, were both launching, you know, 65 mile an hour, you know, rockets at you. You know, again, 12. And, um, by that time, it's like, you have to be more thoughtful. You know, I can't just, I can't enter a game. I was never a starting pitcher. I was always a relief pitcher. Because again, my preferred position and definitely where I was better at was as a position player, not a, uh, not a pitcher. But every now and then, you know, coach, you know, would know that I was working on pitching and, you know, he was, you know, aware of, as the light goes out again in my little recording studio. So, you know, whatever. He would make the determination that, you know, he wanted me to pitch. And again, by the time I'm 11 or 12, it's like, maybe I'm throwing 55 or 60. But batters now are disciplined enough to know that, you know, if it's a bad pitch, you're not swinging. You know, when you're nine, kids are just, they're hacking and everything. So it was very typical for me at like nine to throw again, 50 or 55 miles an hour and the pitch would be nowhere near the strike zone and the batter would swing because they're just praying that they hit it because otherwise it can't hit so i go out sometimes pitch three innings and it'd be nine strikeouts you know it, it'd be literally i'm striking at the side but kind of making um a, a really irrelevant point and a, and a short story into you know an incredibly long one which is I think my specialty in general. Now as an adult, I can recognize it. I would never, I would have never been successful as a pitcher if only because I'm not good at being um, in any sport. I don't like to be the one that is sort of being proactive with my decision making. I don't want to, that puts me too much into my own head if that makes sense. Like, again, a pitcher needs to be able to sort of stay calm and sort of look at each batter and the situation of the game and within them, right? Because, you know, if you've got three pitches, you know, a very typical stable of pitches as a youth player is, you know, obviously your your fastball, your changeup, and then your uh, curve or slider, you know, but... You know, and sometimes it's just basically a two-seam or a four-seam and a change-up. You know, it's very typical as well. But still, you know, I never really developed pitches, per se. Like, I never really learned how to understand the game at that level. And so it kind of was, you know, if you're a pitcher, you're forced to consider all of these things. And sometimes you've got good stuff. Sometimes your stuff is bad, you know. Like, I remember probably my worst outing as a pitcher. I was 11. And I think I gave up one hit, you know. So it, it wasn't so much that I was giving up a lot of hits. But I think the next kid, I hit I hit him with a pitch. Uh, the next kid, I think, I struck out. The next one, I think, popped out. And then the next one, I think, I walked. I think I walked too straight. So... You know, I was put in like in a high pressure 
situation. And for me, I felt like I was really failing the team. So I was getting too much in my own head. And I remember towards the end of that outing, which might've been the last time I pitched, um, honestly, you know, cause I didn't really pitch past 11 or 12. Um, I mean, I didn't play baseball too much longer after that anyway, for different circumstances that won't, you know, it's not relevant, but you know, I remember it's like all eyes are on you. You're the pitcher. So literally the, the play is starting, you know, with, with you releasing that ball. And I almost like lost consciousness. I entered like a state of flow, but it wasn't a good state of flow. It was not a state of flow that was like when you find something you're passionate about and you're kind of just working through it, like in harmony, it was more like I was almost like blacking out as I was throwing, you know, because I was so nervous. I felt so uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, again, I think this is something very typical with a lot of youth kids. There's a reason why it's difficult to be a, you know, top, top, top level pitcher. You know, you, you really have to have, you know, uh, a very specific mindset and sort of ability to, you know, have good stuff and also a mental and emotional side of the game, which I just, I never would have developed. You know, I, I just think I, it's, it's not where I was comfortable. I liked, I liked reacting to the game. I, I was a very good hitter. As a hitter, it was very easy for me to understand the count and, you know, to sort of, uh, see habits from pitchers, but once I was on the other side, it was very tricky. But anyway, to finish this story, like, I don't know how we got in. I always talk about my, I, I promise I'm not someone that's just like always <laughs> discussing his youth athletic <laughs> career. <laughs> you know, I didn't really have many other hobbies growing up. So, you know, a lot of times I default to it. And then it's funny how like this particular story I'm telling now, all these stories of the summer camps and uh, my insight as a youth baseball player and my brief stint as a pitcher. Like, I don't think about it unless I'm recording, interestingly enough. So, anyway, like I was saying, I think the last time I pitched, so I came into the game. I'm pretty sure I already had two outs, but I had hit one batter. I had walked another, I had walked at least two. I'd walk two in a row, I think. And, like, I just totally lost control of my pitch. You know, like, I didn't feel like I had... I didn't feel like I had any sort of control. And so that was causing me to sort of, like, panic internally. And then as I was winding up to pitch, I was kind of, like, going with instinct. But, again, it wasn't a good, like, oh, I'm in the zone and I'm seeing everything perfectly. It was, like, I'm like blacking out internally like when the ball is about to release my hand I'm not really conscious about it I'm just hoping and I'll never forget that I somehow the count was somehow three and two so three balls two strikes um it's called the payoff pitch it's basically you know bases loaded three two you know it's a high pressure situation you know because obviously if the kid hits a double all the runners are probably scoring if it's a grand slam, that's 
beyond embarrassing and demoralizing for your team. You know, if you walk them, it's like the cycle continues of, you know, when am I getting out of this hitting? And uh, 3-2, I'll never forget. My catcher, he was a right-handed um, um, batter. I'm a lefty pitcher. And I remember my catcher asked for a fastball inside, and I kind of wind up. I throw it. I threw it hard as hell. And I remember the ball just like perfectly gliding, you know, perfect inside corner of the plate, like as perfect a pitch as anyone can throw. Like, like my catcher put his glove in a specific spot and I just nailed it exactly perfectly. And I remember after I threw it and I struck him out, I struck him out looking, you know, again, it was, you know, it was a tough pitch to hit, you know, a fastball inside on the hands. And, you know, my control had been all over the place. So, of course, you know, the, the batter was probably hoping I'd just throw another ball and walk him. But, yeah, when that was done, I remember my coach thinking, like, wow, great pitch. He told me something like that, like, like incredible pitch. And I had no idea, like, kind of how it had gotten there. You know, I was, I was just hoping, praying to get there. So anyway, that that's how I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that even had I continued playing, um, there is zero chance I would have ever been a good enough, a good enough uh, pitcher. So now you know. Now I'm looking at the time in this recording. I'll tell one more summer camp I went to that was very memorable. Then we'll call it quits. For some reason, at like, I want to say 12 years old. Yeah, I think it was 12. For some reason, when I was like 12, I, I had a summer where I didn't really do much. Like, I don't remember why I didn't really go to any summer camps. That's why I was able to, like, sleep in really late and, you know, wake up at 2 in the afternoon or whatever. But I remember seeing a friend of mine, and he was going to this really weird summer camp. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was, like, called, like, High Five or something like that. And it was basically, like, a teenager camp. It was for, like, teenagers, I think. But... We didn't do anything. It was the weirdest. It was genuinely like the weirdest camp manageable. It was like, it was like this old, old country club. And the kids would report there for like 8 a.m. or whatever, 9 a.m. And it was just me and my buddy. And he was the one that's like, hey, listen, I'm going to this camp. Just come along. I don't think I paid for it. Yeah, I don't think we paid for it. I think my friend was like, here, look, I have an extra shirt. Just wear it. Um, stay over my house. And, you know, my dad will drop us off. And that's pretty much what we did. Like, like I hung out at his house. I remember we watched some horror movie. He was like a friend of mine that, like, we, we were very different, but... We were such good friends, you know, in retrospect, I think about it, I'm like, wow, like, he, he and I were so different, 
in terms of like our upbringing and and sort of like our idea of fun sometimes and like our our views on life and stuff but you know your kids you know and, and he was a very good friend to me i have to say so i remember we watched a horror movie i remember being like why the heck like we're like 12 dude i don't want to see this like i was I, I didn't care much for it. And then I remember we stayed up till like two. Then I think we were like playing with Yu-Gi-Oh cards or something like, like whatever, just fun, you know, preteen uh, stuff. And then, yeah, we woke up and he passed me a shirt. And he's like, just wear it. They won't say anything. And for basically like four or five days, that's what I did. I just went to a summer camp. As far as I remember, you know, maybe if I ask my mom, she'll be like, no, we had to pay for it. But as far as I remember, it was literally just me showing up to this camp with my buddy, kind of like incognito, not knowing that, you know, I never registered. And again, we didn't do anything. I don't remember doing anything. I remember sitting in like the conference room where they... You kind of like congregate all the kids, all the campers. It was probably like seven-year-olds to like 14-year-olds, something like that. And just legitimately, I can't remember if we, like we, I don't remember going to a pool. I don't remember playing sports. I think they advertised it as being a sports camp, but it was no sport in particular, so I I do think one day we played flag football, if I'm not mistaken. But I feel like now I should ask that buddy of mine. We haven't spoken in a long time, but I feel like I feel like reaching out to him just to ask him what did we do in that <laughs> in that summer camp. <laughs> so anyway. I have hit my limit for now. Fortunately I have to run out and do a few errands. I hope you enjoyed this very random ramble discussing summer camps in my baseball youth career and why I would never be a very competent pitcher as an adult. Questions, comments, concerns, you can always reach me at hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening and take care. <laughs>